grab your Bibles now. We're, we're going to jump back into the 23rd Psalm. And I want us to, to begin uh, by reading the whole Psalm again together this week. Uh, we don't have our kiddos to lead us this week, uh, but we do have uh, one of our own temple family to help us read this Psalm together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks, Kel. We last week only looked at five words, and this week we're only looking at four more. Uh, but don't worry, we'll pick up the speed next week. Uh, and I'm going to give you a little warning. We're going to have more than just a short little devotional thought today, because this has been burning on my heart to proclaim over us. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what I shall not want does not mean. We'll look at what it does mean, uh, unpack most of our time there. And then we'll talk about how all of that points to Jesus. And then what do we do with that? How do we respond to all of that? And so we begin by talking about what I shall not want does not mean. And the first thing it doesn't mean is is, is it doesn't mean we don't have any wants. It doesn't mean that we don't have anything that we desire. Of course we do. Like it, we have all kinds of desires. We, we desire to get back together. We, we desire to, for those of us who maybe have been furloughed, you, you desire to get back to work. You, you have that desire because you desire to provide well for your family. We have a desire as parents, right? Especially during this quarantine, we, we have a strong desire to see our young people grow up fall in love with somebody, get married, and then have little hellions who won't clean their room and who fight with their... No, I'm just kidding. That, that's not true. Although that might be our quarantine reality. No, we have a desire to see our children thrive. That's a healthy one. That's a good one. Here's the thing. We want to stay healthy. We don't want to get sick. All of those desires are good things. The only time those desires can even be bad is if they become corrupted to where they're ruling things in our heart. They become idols to us. But to say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, doesn't mean that we don't want to do well at our jobs and provide well for our families and, and to have a healthy life. That's not what it means. Here's the other thing that I shall not want does not mean. It does not mean that life is perfect all the time. As long as the Lord's your shepherd... Everything will be perfect. No, that's not true. As a matter of fact, that, that kind of theology, that theology that says, hey, if you just follow Jesus, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Nothing will ever go bad for you. What do we do right now? What, what does that theology do for us whenever we have a loved one who's battling COVID? What, what do we do when we've suffered job loss? No, I, it means something way more than that to us. It, it's not dishonest about difficult times. As a matter of fact, the context of the text is what helps us understand the text. And the context of Psalm 23 is, is a little bit of a mystery. Biblical scholars have not agreed for hundreds and hundreds of years about what exactly was going on in the life of David when he wrote the 23rd Psalm. But many scholars believe 
it was during a season of civil war. Not just any civil war. They believe it's when David was hiding from his son Absalom, who was trying to kill him and to take over his father's throne. A time when David was exiled from his own palace. He was removed from his own throne because his son was trying to take over the kingdom. It was the darkest season of David's life when he wrote, The Lord's my shepherd and I shall not want. And David had faced a lot of other dark seasons before, but this one he had nothing to do with. He didn't do anything wrong. He found himself in this bizarre, dark situation where all he had was the Lord. And so it's not dishonest about the struggles of life. It's not dishonest to say, I shall not want. It's not lying to ourselves and faking it till we make it. Oh, that's not who our God is. That's not who our shepherd is. So what does it mean to say the Lord is my shepherd? And I want to give you something from Matthew Henry, the theologian, that I think will set the stage for our conversation here over these few moments. Matthew Henry said, The Lord, if the Lord, is my shepherd, I may conclude that I shall not lack anything that is really necessary and good for me. Did you check out the two parts of that definition? The Lord's my shepherd. That means I won't be missing out on anything that's truly necessary or anything that's truly good for me. We're going to spend the next several minutes, uh, several minutes on unpacking that idea. The first is, is that idea of what is truly necessary. What it means to say, I shall not want, is a declaration of faith that says, I will have everything I need. God cannot be stopped from providing for his children with what they truly need. It's a declaration that, that states that with strong faith. As a matter of fact, the, the New Living Translation reads, The Lord is my shepherd. He meets all my needs. Right? That, that's that heart that God will provide our needs. There's a beautiful picture in the Old Testament of Jacob and Esau being reconciled. They had been separated. There was tension uh, from, from years of dishonesty and deception and and, and Jacob sought reconciliation with Esau, assuming he still hated him. And after years of separation, Jacob and Esau come back together, face to face, for the first time in years. And Jacob tries to summarize all that he's come to know of God and of the promises of God. And this is what he says. This is the summary of his experience with the God of Abraham and Isaac. He says, God has been gracious to me, and I have all I need. Oh. What an awesome description of our life. What an awesome bio to put on our social media. God has revealed his grace in my life, and I have everything I need. Not everything I want, but I have everything I need. And that's what it is to experience the grace of God. So that's an Old Testament picture. Here's the New Testament picture of a man who lived a successful, influential, very well-educated, and probably quite wealthy life. And when he chose to follow Jesus, he was tortured, he was shipwrecked, he was thrown in prison. The Apostle Paul. And what he said to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4 is an awesome uh, whisper of I shall not want. He said this. He said, I'm not speaking of being in need. Because I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, 
of abundance and need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, is there another verse that's taken more out of context than all the Bible? We use I can do all things through Christ when we want to win. We use that in athletics and stuff. And the Apostle Paul's like, no, this is the verse that helps me lose and win. It's Christ. He's enough. I've learned how to be content in Him. He goes on to say a few verses later in verse 19, I can do all things through Christ. And then he says, and my God shall supply all your needs. <laughs> Man, he believes that not just about himself. He believes that over his friends. He says, my God will supply every need of yours according to, equal to, based on, empowered by his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And the, the provision of God to meet our needs is equal to the riches of God's glory. The vastness. That, that's a richness that doesn't ever need to have a stimulus package. right? That, that's not a, uh-oh, we're taken from these taxes. What are we going to do? No, the limitless supply of the riches of God's glory is what meets the needs of the sheep who belong to the Good Shepherd. And the only possible response to that. The Apostle Paul says in the next verse, in verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And the only response to the God who meets our needs is, God be praised. He meets our needs. Now let's get real. Now we've got to ask the question, but if the Lord's my shepherd, why do I find myself still wanting why do I find legitimate needs in my life? Lord, I ask you to protect my job, and I'm furloughed. God, I ask you to protect my business, and I don't think I'm going to make it through this. God, I ask you to heal my loved one, and it doesn't look like they're going to make it. God, I ask you to, to keep my loved one healthy, and they've gotten sick. God, I ask you to fix this, and I believe you're my shepherd. Now I'm confused. Why do I still have these needs? And the reason we often get confused about this is because we forget sometimes that the sheep do not have the right to define their needs to the shepherd. The shepherd knows better. And the shepherd knows that sometimes the answer to our request is not yet. He knows that the best thing for us is to wait on him. He knows that if he gave it to us right then, we wouldn't learn the lesson of faith. We wouldn't trust him through the difficult time. These are the, the trying times that test our faith. He knows that the answer sometimes isn't just not yet. Sometimes he knows the answer needs to be no. That's not best for you. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Sometimes his answer is, that's not a want. Or that's not a need, rather. That's a want, right? Let's be honest. Our, our, our hearts are like the little kid at the toy store. I need that. <laughs> I have to have it. But the good shepherd knows better. He knows that often we blur the lines between our wants and our needs. And let's be honest, billions of dollars are spent trying to get us to blur those lines. I mean, the, the marketing industry literally spends money that we can't fathom to get us to not know the difference between wants and needs. And we're pretty susceptible to it. I read recently that shopping is now the number one leisure activity in the United States of America. Leisure activity, meaning the thing we choose to do as a society that we don't have to do, like going to work and paying taxes and cleaning the house, 
the number one leisure activity is shopping. One generation ago, do you know what the number one leisure activity was in America? It was gathering for worship. It was going to church. Man, we've replaced the importance of gathering in our faith to buying stuff we don't really need. It's so interesting that the the last time that I remember in our lifetime us facing a national crisis was 9-11, September 11th. In his first address to the nation, after the dust had settled, so to speak, do you know the advice of President George W. Bush? He told us to go shopping. At a State of the Union address, after a terrorist attack on our land, he said, don't let the terrorists win. Go shopping tomorrow. It's become such a part of our DNA. I don't fault President Bush for that, and I'm not dogging on him for it. It's just the most American thing we can do is buy stuff we don't actually need. (laughs) One author said it this way. He said, Amazon.com is the new temple. The visa statement is the new altar. Double-clicking is the new liturgy. Lifestyle bloggers are the priests and priestesses. And money is the new God. Listen, we we serve a shepherd who's too good to let us remain blurred in our definition of a want and a need. He wants to set us free from that. And I want to speak a truth here. Some of us, the hardest thing we're facing right now is not that we won't have food on our table. It's not that we won't have a roof over our head. We're literally grieving the fact that we might not be able to buy as many toys this year. Let's just be honest with each other. For many of us, we don't really think we're going to wonder where our next meal came from. And most of the world can't fathom what it is to live that way. What we consider a crisis right now is still the envy of much of the world. Let's let the shepherd reset our focus on what's a want and what's a need. So, first of all, I shall not want means I will have everything I need. Here's the second thing it means. It means in faith I'm proclaiming I will have everything that's truly good for me. Now let's be honest. A lot of things that are good for us, we don't really enjoy, right? Sometimes God knows we really need some Brussels sprouts. And the only people who like Brussels sprouts are people who really need healing, right? Let's just be honest. If that's you, yikes, right? Like nasty, but they're good for us, right? God knows that often what we would pick might not be best for us, but he's too good to give us second best. He's too good to give us something lesser. I shall not want is a statement of faith that I will have everything that is truly good for me. I mentioned it in the introduction that this crucial text, the John chapter 10, verse 11, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Do you know what he said right before that in John 10, 10? He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's the heart of a good shepherd. (laughs) He has not come to give us lesser than. He has only come to offer us greater than what is truly best for us. See, this is all about Jesus. Do you know what the good shepherd gives us? Himself. He gives us himself. And here is the question that is just resonating in my heart over us this morning, family. What if, hear me, what if Jesus 
really is enough? (laughs) What if Jesus really is the only thing that can satisfy the longings of the human heart? If that's true, if, if he really is enough, here's the great news. He's made himself fully available. He offers himself to us. We can have as much of him as we want. The good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep so that the sheep could have access to all of himself. Jesus is enough. Okay, fam, let's have some real talk for just a minute about being satisfied in Jesus. Let's talk about the comparison of social media. That's always been the negative of all the great positives in social media, and it's kind of like we're overwhelmed by it right now. We're seeing people say these crazy things. And if I'm about to mention something that you have shared, please don't be offended. But I just want to call out this meme that's going around that says, don't complain if you come out of quarantine having not learned a new language if you wanted to. Wait, wait, time out. Learning a new language? I'm just going to be honest with you. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Do you know how long it takes an adult to learn a new language? Like, what, do you have a personal linguistics tutor living in your house? And, and how long do you think this quarantine is fixing to last? If you think we got time to learn a new language, apparently you think we're going to be hunkered down for a minute, right? What are you talking about? So then there's this other meme that's going around, right? And, and it's this, this meme that has Thor in it and then Fat Thor from Avengers Endgame, right? essentially comparing the two and saying this is what we're going to come out of quarantine looking like. But somebody shared, and and I'm not calling you out because I don't remember who shared this, but somebody basically shared this and said, you can choose how you're going to come out of quarantine. And let's just keep it real, y'all. Ain't none of us coming out of quarantine looking like Thor, right? Uh, Unless Mr. Hemsworth is on this live feed right now, all the rest of us don't look like that. And even he only looked like that when he had like a team of trainers working in the best gym that there was and his personal dietitians. And here's the deal. They hired the dude, paid him a giant pile of money to play the God of Thunder. (laughs) That ain't none of us, right? We're not coming out looking like that. And I'm going to be real with you. The more I look at Fat Thor, I'm like, I mean, he does have a lot of hair. Like, I'm I'm a little jealous of Fat Thor, right? I can't grow a beard that good. Maybe it's not that bad. And it looks in that picture Like the dude's eating guacamole, and I just got to tell you, a brother needs some Mexican food right now. So let's not bash on Fat Thor all that bad, right? I'm not trying to come out of quarantine looking like a bodybuilder. Here's the thing. I'm trying to come out of quarantine with all three of my kids still living, right? That's that's my goal is to keep them from killing one another. So I got to tell you the story real quick. A couple days ago, I was on the phone, and I had to go uh, back to my bedroom and close the door because they were playing around and, and being loud and whatever. And I get off the phone, and I can hear the yelling still continue, and I'm hearing a two-word conversation just continue in a cycle back and forth. I can hear them yelling at each other. One of them is saying, shut up! And the other one is responding very eloquently, you shut up! And then I hear the third, both of y'all shut up! And it's just this chorus of shut ups ringing back and forth. And I was really tempted to sneak down the hallway and video it just to share it on social media and say, everybody gets off the hook, right? This is the reality of what's going on in our homes, right? We need to share more pictures of rooms that haven't been cleaned, of schoolwork that wasn't turned in on time. Like, let's be kinder to one another than that because there's this lie. 
on social media that tells us we have to live up to this standard. And what your good shepherd wants you to hear this morning is you have nothing to prove. You have nobody's approval that you need to seek, that you need to gain, that you've got to get. You've got nothing to live up to. That is a lie from the enemy. That is a lie from the thief. The opposite, the counterpart to the good shepherd. The good shepherd is speaking over you today. Listen, you can be at peace. You can say, when it comes to what other people think of me, I shall not want. That's what's offered in a true relationship, in an abiding relationship with the good shepherd. And I'm going to be straight with you. That's what I hope your true quarantine goal will be. I hope your actual quarantine goal will be, I want to nestle up a little closer to the shepherd. I, 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 want, to, I want to get to know him a little bit better. I want to carve out a little bit more time to hear his voice. Because he said that, that his sheep know his voice. That we're going we're gonna to connect with him. Because here's the deal. If we come out of this and the only thing we have is more of Jesus, then hallelujah, we can declare, what do I need? I believe I have everything that is best for me. I so trust his heart that I believe whatever I don't have wasn't actually best for me. Or that timing wasn't best for me. Man, that, that's the true mission that we would be more satisfied in Jesus. Because what I do think is, is I do think that the world is watching right now. I, I think in a moment of despair, people do look towards people of faith. I think our, our loved ones who, who maybe aren't sure where they are in their walk with God, or maybe that coworker that doesn't believe what you believe, I think they're watching. And, and if the single thing that they see in us right now is that we're satisfied, that we're satisfied in Jesus, what a testimony. I, I can just imagine. I can just imagine you, you hearing from a coworker that says, how in the world did you get furloughed and yet still seem okay? I mean, not happy, but you're okay. How is that possible? And I can just see you looking them in the eye and saying, you don't understand. You don't understand. I've got a good shepherd. My relationship with Jesus has so transformed my life that even in the most difficult situations, I can trust Him. I can have peace. That, that there's nothing like Him. I believe that only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. The economy can't do that. My career can't do that. My family can't do that. Good times can't do that. Physical health can't even do that. Only Jesus can satisfy the longings of the human heart. That's what the declaration of faith is, I shall not want. What an incredible word that could spread. And so that, that's how I believe we understand the phrase, I shall not want. That it means the shepherd gives us what we truly need and what's truly best for us. And I believe all of that is found in the person of Jesus. So we end with this thought. So how do we live that out? And the answer is, I think we fight. I think we fight to find satisfaction in Jesus. I think we preach to ourselves. Only Jesus can satisfy us. Uh, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. It doesn't say be delighted in, in the Lord. It says delight yourself in the Lord. 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. That word delight is not a passive word, it's an aggressive word that we would fight to find our satisfaction in him and in him alone. It's a battle because our, our hearts are prone to find lesser joys in something else that we would fight to live in and to trust the magnitude of the truth that the Lord is my shepherd. Levi Lusco said, joy is not just our gift. It's our responsibility. It's not just something that God gives to us. We have a responsibility to fight for that, to press into that, to, to lean hard into Jesus and to find in him the life that only he can offer. That we would square our shoulders and declare with faith in our good shepherd, I have been furloughed and I shall not want. I don't know what the next chapter of life is going to look like for our family, but I shall not want. I don't know if I'm going to get sick, but I shall not want. I don't know if my small business is going to make it, but I shall not want. I don't know if that relationship is ever going to be healed, but I shall not want. I don't know if I'll ever be totally free from my fears and my anxiety, but I shall not want. And I don't know how long all this is going to last, but I shall not want. Because what I do know is the good shepherd is mine. And I am his. Let me share one more verse with you. Psalm 73, verse 25. It says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's none like him, right? There's none that compares. He alone is the heavenly one. So here's the earthly conclusion of that. There's nothing on earth I desire beside you. Because there's none like him, because there's no shepherd like the good shepherd, there's nothing on earth that I desire. Some of you have have been with me in some foreign markets as we've traveled around the world. They've got these knockoff goods, right, that they're trying to sell us. That's not the real thing. Our oldest son, Garrett, has a noisemaker in his room. Well, all of us do. We're We're a family that has white noise going on. They say that's not actually good for us, but whatever. You can judge us later. But he sets his white noise machine to ocean waves. We talked about our favorite sounds a couple weeks ago. My favorite sound by a mile is the sound of the ocean. But I can't stand his white noise machine. It's like fingernails on chalkboard in my soul because they're fake waves. Here's the thing. When you're familiar enough with the real thing, the fake thing kind of drives you crazy. It doesn't mean anything. And if we've tasted enough of what it means to truly have Jesus And for him to have us, then everything else just seems like a cheap knockoff. Just seems like a wannabe. There's nothing on earth that we believe can satisfy us like the person of Jesus. And that's why we keep pressing into him. Here's the final thought for the day. David Wilkerson, the founder of the church in Times Square, he had this incredible ministry used by God to rescue kids, teenagers, from street gangs in New York. And and he talks about what his mission was and what his method was to reach these young people in the streets. And, And he said that what guided him was actually the counsel of his grandfather, who was an evangelist. 
He said, my grandfather used to say that he subscribed to the Lamb Chop School of Evangelism. Lamb Chop School of Evangelism. This is what his grandfather used to teach him when he was a young man. He said, if you see a dog on the street and it's got a bone in its mouth, don't try to take the bone. The dog will get mad at you. He'll growl at you. He said, instead, throw a lamb chop on the ground. That dog will drop that bone quicker than you can even think. His tail will start wagging. He'll devour that lamb chop and you'll have a friend for life. Offer him something better. And that's the thing. We don't just serve a God who who tells us, don't find your significance in material things. Don't find your significance in your career. Don't find your significance in your power, your authority, your way. He offers us something way better. He says, lay down that old dry thing because I've got life for you. I've got abundant life for you. I've got what you truly need, and it's way better. That's what's offered to us in the person of Jesus. Friend, if you don't know for sure that you've ever encountered a personal relationship with God, maybe you've been religious, maybe you've been anti-religious, or somewhere in between, but you're not sure you have a personal relationship with Jesus, and I beg you, would you take just a minute, look uh, at the description of this video, and there's a link that says, Can We Talk? We'd love nothing more in this season than to be able to engage in a conversation with you about how you can know for sure that you've tasted something better that you've experienced a relationship with Jesus. For our friends and family, my encouragement to you is, man, let's press into Jesus. Let's let's dive into Jesus. With that thought, I'll pray over us, and then let's worship together before we have our announcements for the day. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, would you make us hungry for you? Would you tear away all the lesser things and the 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 fake desires and might we be satisfied with nothing less than more of you. Thank you for making yourself available to us. Thank you for being a good shepherd. Because we know you, we look square into our circumstances and we declare with faith today, I have Jesus. Therefore, I shall not. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Can't wait to see you soon. I love you.